The Atlanta Braves end the first half of the regular season with a series win over the Tampa Bay Rays, and the MLB draft is underway where the Atlanta Braves took a very exciting upside pick in Hurston Waldrop with their first pick of the draft. We'll discuss that and more on today's episode of Locked On Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com, where there'll be plenty of coverage on the MLB draft. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new and watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. We're up over 6,000 subscribers now. Also, hit that thumbs up button to help support the show so that more people can see it. We get more comments, more interaction on the videos, and all that good stuff right there. And thank you so much for all your support making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Thank you so much to all my everydayers out there who continue to let me know down in the comment section on YouTube where, again, you have been killing it lately. Also, I just want to give a big shout out to everybody who sent me uh, prayers, well wishes, congratulations on the birth of our third child, Levi. And everything went great. We're back home now. Uh, glad to be back home. Glad to have Levi with us now. But I want to say thank you to all those who sent your support during that time. All right, it's a busy Monday podcast. We got to wrap up the last series of the weekend, a series win over the Rays. We got to talk about the MLB draft, and it is Miners Monday. So we're going to go back through the past week at the minor league level as well. So a lot to discuss on today's podcast. Before we do that, though, let me tell you about Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you will get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, let's start with that series win over the Rays this past weekend. Their 11th straight series win to end the first half of the regular season. Again, their last series loss came in Oakland. Ever since then, this team has been on an absolute tear. They end the first half of the regular season with 60 wins. Now, this isn't a mathematical halfway point of the season, but you know a lot of people consider the All-Star break the halfway point, and the Braves are at 60 wins already. That's pretty incredible. Now, some of the highlights from the weekend, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider were dominant. Combined 12 and two-thirds innings, eight hits allowed, just three walks, only one earned run, and 17 strikeouts. Morton has had his struggles this year. I know we've talked about it. I see your comments. A lot of you either want to kick him out of the rotation, move him to the bullpen, all of that. Not all of you, some of you. But this is why I've maintained that not only do I think he belongs in the rotation, I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's why I also keep him in my postseason rotation. Look, if all things are healthy, I still think it's, it's Strider, Freed, and whatever combination, one, two. And then I still think it's it's Charlie Morton. Now, maybe if Kyle Wright came back and he was the Kyle Wright of last year, I think maybe you could make a case for him to be your number three. But for me, it's still Charlie Morton at number three because he has the ability to go out and put up these types of outings like he did this past Friday against the Tampa Bay Rays where he was just absolutely brilliant his stuff is still dominant it's really charlie morton against charlie morton he had the struggles against lefties particularly giving up home runs 
against them here the last couple of years, but he still has that dominant type of stuff that when he's on, he's capable of running through a really good lineup like the Tampa Bay Rays have. So again, it's been the inconsistencies for Charlie Morton these last two years, but it still starts like this are reasons why I still put Charlie Morton in my postseason rotation just because of that domination factor that he still has. As for Strider, you know, he's really gotten it going now. We've talked about it after his struggles that he had. He's really gotten back to the pitcher that he is. He finishes the first half with a K per nine of 14.27. That is a very high number, a historic number if that holds up. He was 13.8 last year, which was still, you know, just crazy absurd strikeout rate. He's thrown, he's also thrown 104.2 innings this year. He threw 131 and two-thirds last year. Do they hold him back at all? Do they try to manage his innings? I said coming in, if he could get to 175, you know, I think that would be ideal. But I, I don't know. I mean, the Braves have said in the past they're really not going to limit pitchers. But I think maybe you have, especially if the lead in the division stays like it is, I think maybe you have to look for chances to to give him an extra day of rest, which they've done in the first half. And I think they've done a, a magnificent job of, but that's something maybe to slightly monitor down the stretch. I don't know that the Braves will really do too much tinkering there, but I did want to at least mention it because he's already over a hundred pitches, hundred innings on the year. And again, through 131 and two thirds last year. So we'll see how they monitor that workload if they do at all, but he's back to that Cy Young type of level the way he's pitching right now and both of these guys charlie morton finishes the first half with a 3.43 era which i think might surprise some folks and spencer strider got his era down to 3.44 i've said if he gets back in the low threes i think he's the nl cy young front runner um he's he's continuing to do that with the way that he's pitched lately so those two guys were great bryce elder on sunday not so great he clearly didn't have it he didn't have that great command that we've been accustomed to seeing him have over the last 20 starts, really. And this broke a streak of 22 consecutive starts going at least five innings as he's only able to get through uh, three and, and some change on Sunday. Um, and again, he didn't have it, but defense also didn't help him in that first inning. Matt Olson with a bad throw to second base on what should have been a double play. Gets out of that inning without giving up anything. Instead, he ends up giving up four runs in that, in that inning. But, I mean, he just... Clearly didn't have it. He had an 0-2 pitch to Isak Paredes and kind of hung a slider up that really strong guy. I mean, it was a slider. It was on the black away, but still it was up, and Paredes was able to put a good swing on it for a two-run homer. So wasn't his sharpest. I'm not concerned. I still think he has really good stuff. He still finishes the first half with an ERA under three, and he's headed to the All-Star game, which is great. I hate that neither he nor Strider are going to get to pitch in the All-Star game, but from a fan's perspective, looking long-term, Kind of okay with it. You don't want to see your pitchers get injured in an all-star game and an exhibition game, but, you know, never know. Any of these guys will get to make it again. We we feel like Spencer Strider probably will, but for Bryce Elder, I, I don't know that he ever gets another chance at an all-star game, so kind of hate, hate it for him that he doesn't get to pitch in it. Uh, but, again, not concerned about him long-term. Do I think he's going to be a sub-three ERA pitcher the rest of his season, the rest of his career? No, but I do think he's going to be a solid mid-rotation starter uh, and I think he's going to continue to give the Braves innings. So, like I said, this snapped a streak of 22 consecutive starts of going at least five innings. He's just been incredible. Offense was a little bit slow in this one. You got to give some credit to the Rays pitching, also playing in that dome, which a lot of hitters don't like to hit in. But no 10-hit games and just 12 
runs total in this series for the Braves, which is by their standards qualifies as a little bit of a slump. In the game they won on Friday, just two runs on two hits, but they still managed to win the series on the road against the best home team in all of baseball. So you got to you know be happy about that act outcome. A pair of double-digit strikeout games as well, which this offense hasn't had a lot of lately. Again, got to get a lot of credit to Ray's pitching staff. Tyler Glass now was great on Friday. Tosh Bradley has very good strikeout stuff, and every reliever they had coming out of the bullpen was throwing 95, 97, plus mile per hour heaters and had really good stuff. You know, the Rays and the way that they develop pitching and how they do over there. All those guys are great. Three home runs for the Braves on the week weekend, one in each game, all coming from Braves catchers with Darno homering in each of the first two games, or I'm sorry, Sean Murphy homering in each of the first two games and Darno homering on Sunday. Speaking of Sean Murphy, he single-handedly uh, pretty much one game, uh, one of the series. He had that two-run homer coming after Olsen reached on an air. He also threw out two runners trying to steal in that game. Again, if you were still questioning the trade for Sean Murphy and why the Braves did it, I don't know what to say to you anymore. He is the best catcher in baseball at the halfway point. He's fourth in all of baseball among all position players with a 3.9 F4. He's fifth in WRC plus at 166. Again, not only is he the best catcher in baseball right now, he's an MVP candidate. I think he could easily finish top five, top six in the MVP voting if it happened right now. He's just been incredible. Uh, again, I, I think we all expected the defense that he's brought and the arm that he has. But what he's done offensively, I mean, it's just, again, incredible. Uh, so really good trade for the Braves, really good move there. Also want to just touch on Austin Riley. Had barreled up some balls. I tweeted this out from the hospital on Saturday that he the last three at-bats really in that game on Saturday, he barreled up some baseballs a couple over 100 miles per hour. Just some tough luck in some of those results. But then finally got some hits on Sunday, got three hits. So hopefully that leads into a big second half for Austin Riley. It's not that he's been bad in the first half, but probably you know not to the level you would hope for your number three hitter. So really expecting a big second half for Austin Riley. Hopefully that three-hit game on Sunday gets him going in the right direction. All right, next we're going to turn our attention to the MLB draft where the Braves went with a big upside pick at number one. In the draft with Hurston Waldrop, we'll discuss their first three picks on day one of the MLB draft next. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with, with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear, whether it's our work life, relationships, or with our kids. Again, just had my third one. A lot of tough choices going on in life right now. If you're thinking of starting therapy to help, with all these tough choices, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. All right, the Braves kick off the second half at home against the Chicago White Sox at 7.20 p.m. Eastern this Friday night. Hopefully, the All-Star break doesn't cool off. The Atlanta Braves catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app Search Braves. All right, let's jump into the day one selections for 
the Atlanta Braves on Sunday night. I love the MLB draft. It's a lot of fun. I don't always know or nobody really knows who the Braves are going to pick, especially when you're picking in the back half of the first round. I honestly didn't cover much of the MLB draft this year because the Braves always go off the board and they never pick who I talk about. And this was the year they picked who I talked about. If you listen to a lot of the podcasts when I did discuss the MLB draft, usually on the minor, Miners Monday segments, I talked a lot about Hurston Waldrop and how much I, I love his stuff. And I've gone on record as saying I think he has the second best stuff in this draft, particularly among the college pitchers. I think he's behind Paul Skeens. Now, everybody's behind Paul Skeens, but I thought Hurston Waldrop had the second best stuff of any pitcher in this draft. And, you know, we talked throughout the NCAA tournament about Waldrop because he was on a ridiculous run until he ran into LSU in the finals. And that LSU lineup, which is full of a bunch of big league hitters, was just on their game in that final. But I really love what Hurston Waldrop can bring, and I love the stuff that he has. If you're drafting just on pure talent, I think he has some of the biggest upside in this draft. So, for one, I was shocked that he fell to the Braves at this spot, I'll give you my reason why I think that is. There was a, there were, were, are a lot of safe college hitters in this draft. And I think a lot of teams early in the draft decided to go with the more safer picks in some of those college hitters. And I think that forced or pushed Hurston Waldrop down to the Braves at 24. But I was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised that he made it there. I kind of quit talking about him because I really thought there was no chance, especially with the way he performed in the postseason, that he would make it to the Braves. I, personally, and I don't know this for sure, but I don't think the Braves thought he would make it there. I think this changed up their draft strategy a lot, and I was glad to see them do that um, to mix things up because, I, again, I think this has some of the highest upside potential in this draft. I saw a lot of people saying, I'm tired of them taking pitching. They need hitting in this system. I, I get that. Also, their position player group is, is pretty much locked up for the next four or five years, and pitching is key. You've seen it this year with the Braves. Pitching injuries are higher than they've ever been, and I don't think the pitch clock has much to do with it. That trend's been coming for years now. Pitching injuries are just – they're going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when with pitchers these days. So you can never have enough. And what that also does is it gives you the opportunity to make trades. You look at the trades that Braves have been able to make in the past year or two, despite having one of the worst farm systems in baseball, it's because they've been able to draft and develop pitching. And teams always need pitching. So if you're drafting pitching, you're developing it as well as the Braves do, that's always going to be a value asset for you, whether it comes to calling these guys up like Jared Schuster, um, guys, you know, A.J. Smith-Shaver, guys that they've, moved up quickly and have become, you know, had some sort of impact at the big league level or whether it's using these guys as trade pieces, it's always valuable to have pitching. So I was, I was happy with that strategy. I was a little surprised to hear that a lot of people thought the Braves would go high school hitter in the first round. Now there were some solid high school hitters that were still available there. I know a lot of people thought maybe they'd go with Colin, Colin Houck out of uh, Georgia uh, that was available there. He ended up going to the Mets later. We also don't know the money part of all this uh the you know the slot money and the the slot values for major league baseball make the draft you know a little hard to predict even harder to predict uh for fans especially we don't know what these players are asking look these teams are talking to these players before they draft them and seeing if they can get them within a certain 
uh, range of money so that they know what to, they have to spend on other picks. So it's a really it's a more difficult process than just saying, you know, running down the draft and saying, we're going to take this player right here. He's the best player. It's more to that. There's a lot of conversations involved with money and how much they can sign this player for at this spot. And then do they need to save, you know, to pick a guy later in the draft? So there's a lot more that goes into the Major League Baseball draft than just picking the best player. But with the 24th pick overall, I thought the Braves did take the guy there with the most upside. And that's something the Braves have done over the last couple of years. They've taken a guy in the first round, late half of the first round, that has a ton of upside, but it's usually been an underslot guy. Somebody that they've really scouted and developed or scouted very well and thought that they could develop and had some upside, but were down on the draft rankings and they would take him in the first round, sign him under slot, and then use that extra money to go after some high schoolers, you know, in the middle rounds or, you know, rounds four through four through six, like or seven, where they got AJ Smith Shaver. And that's typically been the strategy. But again, I think Waldrop falling this low kind of changed that strategy for the Braves. And they just couldn't pass up on the upside that Hurston Waldrop has. Now, give you a little bit of his arsenal. His splitters, I think the best single pitch in the entire draft. And that's, you know, no hyperbole, a 63.4% whiff rate. That was the second highest whiff rate on any pitch in college baseball this past year. He also sits mid-90s, and in the postseason, he was really sitting 97. So you're talking about an upper 90s fastball. And again, the best off-speed pitch for sure in the draft and his split changeup. That right there is a recipe for being a really good big league pitcher. I think he could get big league hitters out with those two pitches. Now, the big key is that fastball and the command. And there's a reason why he failed to the Braves at 24. There's a lot of risk involved with Hurston Waldrop because of the command issues. But just quickly go through the rest of his arsenal. He throws, uh, again, three-plus pitches with his upper 90s fastball, his plus-plus split changeup, and with a plus slider as well. He already, he already has three-plus pitches. He also throws a 12-6 curveball, but you're talking about a guy you get at 24. You're probably going to have to go a little over slot for him. Slot value uh, for this pick is $3.27 million. You may have to go 3.8, closer to 4, to sign him here. But, again, you're talking about a guy who's coming in with three-plus pitches. He's also from Thomasville, Georgia, which is pretty cool, 6-2-2-10, but to get you know somebody – from the home state, and that's always great. He's 21. He won't turn 22 until next March. Uh, he was on a real roll to end the season. He struck out 12, 13, and 12 in three straight starts in the postseason. And then I mentioned he ran into that LSU lineup in the College World Series final. He walked six batters, and that is the huge downside with Hurston Waldrop. He walked 57 batters in 101 and two-thirds innings this year. It is command. And look, if he he's not commanding his pitches, uh, then it's going to be you know a rough day for him. But again, the Braves have done a great job at developing these pitchers with with bad with struggling command issues and turning them into really good starters. And again, the mold is just there for this guy to be, I think, a top of the rotation guy. If you can get the command issues under control, again, he already has three plus pitches, including the best single pitch in this draft and that split changeup. If you can get the command issues under the control, I think we're looking at a top-of-the-rotation type of arm here. Rankings from around the industry. Baseball America had him ranked as the number 18 prospect, MLB Pipeline number 19, and ESPN number 14, and the Braves got him 
at 24. Again, we're used to the Braves taking somebody that ranked in the 50s, the 70s a couple of years ago with Ryan Cusick. We're used to them taking those types of guys in the first round and then signing them under slot and using that money later. They went the opposite way this time. And again, I think it's just because they did not expect Waldrop to be there and they're probably going to have to go a little over slot to get him. But I think they're saving, hope, hoping they're going to save on these next couple of picks we're going to talk about. Drew Hackenberg was their next pick or their second pick in this draft. Another right-handed college pitcher out of Virginia Tech, 6'2", 220, 21 years old. Uh, very good bloodlines here. His brother's in the White Sox organization. Uh, has another brother who was a second-round NFL pick at quarterback for the Jets. I uh, had a brother who was a first-round pick in the MLS, so very good bloodlines here for Drew Hackenberg. 85 and a third innings at Virginia Tech this past year, 113 hits allowed is not great. 26 walks, 99 strikeouts, 5.70 ERA. One thing I did also want to, to mention, and again, if you heard me talk about this leading up to the draft, you got to take ERA numbers, and honestly, you got to take offensive numbers with a huge grain of salt for college players this year. Baseballs were absolutely flying at the college level this year. And you saw a lot of really good pitchers with really high ERAs. So you got to keep that in mind when looking at college numbers from this past year, really the past couple of years, the baseballs are flying at an absurd level in college baseball right now. And they got the aluminum bats and all that. So again, when evaluating and looking at some of these college players, you can't just look at the stats. You got to look at the stuff. In 2021, Hackenberg had a 3.30 ERA, 92 and two-thirds innings, 95 hits allowed, so still more hits than innings pitched. 19 walks, though, was really good and 87 strikeouts. Sinker-slider combo. Sinker has a lot of good movement on it, gets a lot of ground balls, and that's probably why you see the hits so high. I would hope, you know, maybe with a better defense, and I don't know enough about Virginia Tech's defense to really – uh, say too much there, but again, with a ground ball pitcher, you're going to need a really good defense behind him. Hopefully that's something that improves once he gets to the pro level. Pipeline labeled him as a workhorse kind of guy. You look at that with you know throwing 85 innings this year, 92 innings last year. Now I went back and, and looked at one of his starts against uh, Florida State this past year, and that slider to me, it, it was, you know, whoever was videoing was right behind home plate. That slider had some wicked, uh, late sharp break to it, and he made a couple of hitters look really silly with it. Uh, the pipeline little write up on him says that the slider's not a put away pitch for him. It's not what I saw again in just a brief uh outing that I watched of him. That slider looked absolutely nasty, so that's a plus offering. He has a change up, doesn't throw it very much. I think this is very much a reliever risk here. Um, and I think it could be a very good reliever with that sinker slider combination the Braves are obviously going to get, give him a chance in the rotation I think there's a chance it sticks there but probably going to have to develop another pitch uh, whether it is a change up or uh, I would like to see something you know maybe more like a 12-6 curveballs because you got that sinker that runs in on righties the slider that runs away need something moving more uh, vertical up and down I think but I, you know I think worst case scenario here the floor for Drew Hackenberg is probably a pretty solid setup reliever if he can again establish another pitch i think he could become a really good back of the rotation starter but this is this seems like an under slot pick he was a 200 ranked prospect you're taking him with your second pick uh here at 59th overall so this seems like an under slot guy the braves feeling like they're probably gonna have to go over slot for hurston waldrop so maybe they're trying to save a little bit of money here with the second pick andrew hackenberg cold uh keeler their third pick and the final pick on day one 
of the draft. Right-handed pitcher out of Campbell, six foot, 215, 21 years old. This was a guy that many people thought might go pretty early in the draft. So I don't know if this is a money-saving type of pick, but I, I didn't love the guy, uh, but I, I didn't love him in the first round. Getting him here in the sandwich pick between the second round and the third round, maybe okay value. I just didn't love the guy when I watched him this year. Just, you know, I didn't watch him a lot. I just watched his one regional start against NC State. He did go six innings in that one, but he allowed seven hits, two walks, hit a batter, three runs, just one of them earned, and only four strikeouts. He gave up four extra base hits in that game, three doubles and a home run, also had a wild pitch. I just remember coming away from watching that start because it's really the only team he played all year of, that was, you know, a good team. And I think you got to keep that in mind as well. You look at his numbers, 2.71 ERA, 13 games started, 73 innings pitched, only 54 hits allowed, 26 walks, 91 strikeouts, just a 199 average against. Those are all great numbers, but you got to keep in mind the competition he's playing against. He's not in the SEC, the ACC. He's playing in the Big South. So, again, you got to take in mind the level of competition. But that's why I really wanted to watch that NCAA regional start against NC State, who has a pretty good lineup. And I just remember coming away from that start not very impressed and hoping that the Braves wouldn't take him in this draft or at least not take him in the first round. Again, you're getting him here in a sandwich pick between the second and third round, so that's okay for a guy who has some upside. I know others out there in the industry. Uh, I know Garrett Spain, who does a great job covering prospects for battery power. He likes this pick and sees some upside with Keeler. Again, my impression of him was just from that NC State start, and I came away not very impressed, but – I will say I did love the way that he battled in that start. He managed to go six innings despite all the traffic that he had, and he threw a season-high 105 pitches. So I did love that aspect of it, that he really just battled through it and kept his team in the game where he clearly didn't have his best stuff, and maybe that wasn't the best outing to watch of him. But again, I just I came away not really impressed with him in that outing. Certainly didn't see him as a first-round pick, which is where a lot of people were projecting him at that time either first or you know a, a comp pick after the first round I certainly didn't see that he does have a high spin rate on his low to mid 90s fastball which you know the Braves love the spin rates on those fastballs most teams do he has a plus slider with horizontal cutting action he mixes in a curve changeup and splitter as well so again this is a guy that I think could possibly turn into a back of the rotation type of starter and if you get that great maybe some people see a little bit more upside but again, just my viewing of him, I did not see that, but I'm also not a scout. I'm not an expert. I trust the Braves in the front office more than anybody else in this industry. They know what they're doing, but just my kind of final thoughts on day one, I think Waldrop kind of fell in their lap and they had to change their strategy a little bit and maybe go over slaughtering a guy with that has tremendous upside. And then I think they tried to save some money clearly with their second pick and maybe with their third pick as well. I don't know if Keeler will be a slot guy or maybe a little bit under slot. But again, I love the Waldrop pick. Hackenberg, I think maybe there's a little bit of upside there if he can develop a third pitch. But I think I think Hackenberg and Keeler are both back of the rotation type guys, which maybe you put them in the Braves development system. They become a little bit more than that. And I think Waldrop is a front of the rotation type of starter if you can get his command issues under control. So not a bad first day overall. For the Braves, draft will continue on Tuesday with rounds 3 through 10, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on uh, Monday afternoon. All right, next, we're going to go through our Miners Monday segment, tell you about who performed the best at the minor league level this past week. We'll discuss that here next.
Are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? If you're not, you definitely should be. Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022 while earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. And if you want to 100 times your money on daily fantasy baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to a 100-time payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, getting back into our Miners Monday segment for the Atlanta Braves. Not a lot to talk about this past week. A.J. smith Shaver didn't pitch this past, past week. Maybe a chance to save some innings there. Uh, Owen Murphy, five innings, two hits, three walks, four earned, and eight strikeouts. He's really picking up the strikeouts here lately. On the season for Owen Murphy, 13 games started at 4.44 ERA, 1.32 whip, 50.2 innings pitched, 67 strikeouts, like I said, 11.9 K per nine, really starting to rack up the strikeouts, 3.73 walk per nine. You'd love to see that come down a little bit and a 236 average on the year for Owen Murphy. Um, J.R. Ritchie out for the year, recovering from Tommy John surgery. Cole Phillips recovering from TJ as well. Braden Shoemake, six for 25 this past week, a double, two homers, eight runs scored, walked five times, and stole three bases as well. He's kind of been heating up a little bit here over the past couple of weeks. Spencer Schwellenbach pitched in the Futures game, was really good. Uh, one inning, one hit, no walks, no earned, and two strikeouts. Gave up a leadoff double, but then struck out Spencer Jones, top prospect for the Yankees. Struck out Kyron Paris, top prospect for the Angels, on both on 98-mile-per-hour fastballs. And then got a ground out of Drew Gilbert, really good prospect as well. Fastball set mostly 97 in that outing, so really good performance there by Schwellenbach in the Futures game. Darius Vines continuing to work his way back at the GCL. Four innings, two hits, no walk, no earned and five strikeouts. We'll see if he gets moved up in his rehab prospect uh, process here pretty soon. Ambioris Tavares, four for 31 this past week. A double and two homers, which is great, starting to show some power potential. No walks, 18 strikeouts. Strikeouts continue to be a huge problem for Tavares, but good to see him showing off some of that power potential. One stolen base on the week as well. He struck out at least twice in every game this past week. Something he's certainly got to work on. Young kid, though, has some time to do so. Dylan Dodd hasn't pitched since June 22nd. Haven't really heard anything on him. Obviously been a rough year for him overall. Nacho Alvarez, 11 hits this past week, 11 for 28. And he's starting to show some power as well. Three doubles, two homers, seven runs, eight runs batted in, two walks, seven strikeouts, though. That is a bit unusual for him. But, again, showing some of that power, I don't know, maybe sacrificing a little bit there in the strikeout department to do so, but good to see him showing off some power. Also had two stolen bases. Luis Guanipa only played three games this past week, 0 for 8 at the plate, two walks, four strikeouts, two stolen bases, also got hit three times, but he's still been off to a really good start. And then going through each level at Gwinnett, Luke Williams, 8 for 24 with a double, two walks, five strikeouts, and six stolen bases this past week. Jesus Aguilar. Six for 19, two doubles, two homers, nine runs batted in, three walks to five strikeouts. 
And then Joe Dunnan, six for 18, two doubles, a home run, four walks, and six strikeouts. He continues to show some good power. Vaughn Grissom, six for 19, two doubles, four walks, four strikeouts. Continues to get it done at the plate. And speaking of continuing to get it done, Alan Winans had two starts this past week. Went five innings, no hits, two walks, no earn, and seven strikeouts in his first start. In his second start, it was six innings, two hits, two walks, one earn, and six strikeouts. On the season now for Alan Winans at AAA Gwinnett, He's seven and three with a 270 ERA, a 0.99 whip, 96.2 innings pitched, 87 strikeouts, just a 205 average against, and a 2.23 walk per nine. The guy is getting it done. He's not on the 40 man roster, but you got to figure he keeps pitching this way and there becomes a need in the rotation. He's going to get an opportunity. At the very least, maybe he's working himself to be a, a really good trade chip at the deadline. At Mississippi, Luke Waddell, 6 for 20, a, tr- a triple, a walk, and two stolen bases. On the mound, Daisville Hernandez working his way back. Three innings, no hits, one walk, no earn, and seven strikeouts. He could become a potentially really solid piece of the bullpen. Uh, Rome, Drake Baldwin, 7 for 22, four doubles, three walks, and four strikeouts. A really good week. Geraldo Quintero, 7 for 21, two doubles, three walks, three strikeouts, and a stolen base. And Tyler Owens on the mound, five innings, three hits, one walk, no earn, and four strikeouts. And finally, at Augusta, Justin Giannis, 10 for 26, two doubles, four walks, four strikeouts, and a stolen base. And Jorge Bautista on the mound, seven innings, four hits, one walk, two earn, and seven strikeouts. So those are your minor league recap for the week. Again, not a lot of great um, weeks for some of the Braves minor league players as they're getting to the halfway point of the season now or, or at the past the halfway point. But certainly looking forward to seeing some of these new draft picks get inserted at the minor league level as well and watching them perform down the stretch. The Braves again kick off the second half of the regular season at home against the Chicago White Sox at 7.20 p.m. Eastern on Friday night. Make sure that you catch all the action in the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. We'll have more coverage of the MLB draft on Tuesday's episode will also have uh, highlights from the Home Run Derby and gearing up for the All-Star Game and everything coming up in the second half of the season. So make sure that you're subscribed to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Make sure you follow me at Shortstop Ball. But again, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 